You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 213. Take that, Alan. That sounds like the script right there. Done. <laughs> yeah, it's done. All right, so subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Stitchify. Oh, snap. Maybe not. Just Spotify then. And your favorite podcast apps, you know, maybe we're there. Maybe it's still running. I don't know. Leave us a review if you can. Hey, and be sure to send your feedbacks, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Hey, follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. Also, check out our Slack channel. We always do this at the end. We should do this at the beginning, codingblocks.net slash Slack. Yep, you can send yourself an invite. Also, we got a website, codingblocks.net, that has been recently modified to uh, update uh, our social links at the top of the page. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, and hey, I'm Joe Zach. I'm Michael Outlaw. And I'm Alan Underwood. And I'm also reading from the script. Wait, there's there a script? Go. Oh, no. How about that? Yeah, man. Yeah, there's no script. All right, so a we got a review. Podcast news. Hey, oh, we do. I thought we were doing we... the script. Oh. Oh. Wait, oh, there's a script? Oh. oh, there is. The, yes, all right. So as Jay-Z said, we have some podcast news. And up first is Outlaw reading the reviews. Yep. So thank you, Below7, for uh, your, your review. And... Yeah, I kind of hinted at it, but pour one out for Stitcher. So if you haven't already heard, if you're listening to us on through Stitcher, well, this is awkward <laughs> because you, those days are, are numbered. I think it was like August was the when they're shutting it down. Does that sound right? I think that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't, uh, you know, have a lot of impact on like, you know, technology type, uh, you know, software development type topics but you know more of a call out just in case if uh that is how you're listening then you know hey yeah you probably want to set up another podcast app and subscribe to all the things that you care about somewhere else yeah and and we had one other thing so outlaw had said Uh-oh. something you remember the statement i in never the last, no yeah mm. you didn't say it so I didn't say it. outlaw said something to the effect of you know, you could be working in the industry for 20 years and be a junior developer, or you could be working in the, the industry for a year and be a senior developer. And, and there were some people in, in our episode discussion channel in Slack that were like, yeah, I don't know that I believe that about the year. And there were some valid points, right? Like there could be people that have been developers for a year and they are the folks that go out and absorb every every bit of information they can get, right? Whether it's from books or online tutorial, whatever. But do they really have the experience of a senior level developer after a year? And probably more often than not, the answer is going to be no. Are there the rare, rare people out there that, that you could probably be like, yeah, that person should be running the department after a year versus, you know, the ones that have a ton of good information, but they just don't have the practical hands-on experience. I think that was a fair call out. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, if someone's calling you a senior after just one year, it's inflation, it's title inflation. Basically they're giving you a title and you should be curious about whether uh, they're doing that in lieu of a salary. <laughs> so sometimes mm-hmm. that happens, especially small companies are like, well, we, we can't pay you great, but we can give you whatever title you want. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think people can be really great in a short amount of time. It's just whether that compares to someone who's been doing it for ten to twenty years. You know, we don't really have great ranks or titles or qualifications for this stuff. So uh, I would say no, but uh, the whole thing is kind of you know made up anyway. So whatever. <laughs> so here's the question though: 
to follow with that, I don't get to all say right, my part. Honestly. Yeah, you go ahead and say your part because maybe you'll answer my question first. Well, okay. So I, I definitely understand some of the comments, you know, in, in the Slack where they were saying that, you know, they that that was the one like of the two things. Like, yeah, okay, I get why you could have a twenty-year developer that's still junior, but I I don't agree with the other part. And you know, fair uh, why why you might get hung up on that part. You know, really the intent was that 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 developer might not have been there as long. And, you know, I just said one year, but whatever. But in my mind though, the, the, the person I was thinking of in my mind at the time would be like a Zuckerberg. Like, I'm not saying that I wasn't thinking of it being like a job title that you were getting, you know, cause it was just more of like the mentality, like, you know, you're the go getter type. That's just, like hammering it out, getting it, getting the job done and it might blow up to be something huge. Right. So, but, but, you know, fair point, you know, like, so, you know, two years. <laughs> that, that was actually, you know, it's funny is I was, I was going to ask what would be a good period of time before you'd look at somebody and be like, you know, they're ready. They, they know the ups, the downs, the ends and the outs of everything. It, in my mind, I'm thinking four or five years is probably yeah. not an unrealistic time frame for somebody to be looked at and be able to say, yeah, that he's, he's a senior developer or she's a senior developer. Yeah, I think five years because you got to be around long enough to uh, deal with some of the mistakes you made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's important. I don't agree. And well, the reason why I say that is because like the whole senior junior developer thing, and this is kind of to the point that I was trying to get at, you know, or parts parts of what I was trying to get at last time. Is but uh, I think that it's more fluid, right? Like during the course of your career, right? If let's say let's say you were a software developer for 25, 30 years, at any one point in that journey, there's going to be a time where you might have been a software a senior, and there's going to be a time where you might have been a junior, and that that can ebb and flow, you know, depending on like as technologies change and you're ramping up on something new. So, you know, like I I I don't I, I'm I don't agree with it as a title because mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that, you know, it comes and goes depending on you know what you what you're working on. If I ripped your tech stack out from underneath you, right? Like if all you knew was say SQL Server uh, and, and C sharp and ASP.net, something like that. And I'm like, okay, welcome to the Java, Java ecosystem, you know, have at it, right? Like you're, you're going to, you have a lot of, you have the building blocks to be great, right? Maybe, maybe you do, <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying that like, See, but I think that's what separates um, somebody more junior from somebody more senior. You rip the tech stack out from, you know, I'm not trying to inflate us or, or toot our own horns, but if you rip the tech stack out from underneath the three of us, it'll take us a little bit of time, but we'll be up to speed decently quick because because we have that background of having worked with so many things over time that you kind of know what you're looking for, what you need. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's the ability to ramp up quickly, I think is what makes somebody more, 
And again, I agree. I don't like the title senior versus junior, whatever, but somebody that is a more advanced developer versus somebody that's more green behind the ears, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Although, um, to be fair, there's been lots of times that I thought I knew something pretty well and then uh, tripped down a pretty nasty hole. Totally. So, uh, you know, I don't know. But yeah, totally. I think everyone does that. So regardless of whether it's uh, your tech stack, you know. And I, I do think uh, there's also just, you know, quick aside, like it's kind of dangerous to just have one tech stack for your entire career. You know, it, it's it could work out, but you're you're putting all your eggs in one basket. But mm-hmm. But also, like, you know, going back to my original statement, though, you have computer science majors that are coming out of like a Harvard or an MIT, Stanford, a Georgia tech. Right. And you know, maybe they're coming out with just a bachelor's. Maybe some of those are coming out with like, you know, uh, a master's level or, or greater. And they never, maybe never, you know, stepped foot in the, yeah, you know, outside of a school setting, but maybe just a tremendous uh you know building block that that they're focused on depending on like the the rigor of the school that they went to right that that type of person might ramp up to be senior rather quick so possible it's possible how to use git well (laughs) yeah, yeah yeah sure well, that, this is actually why I wanted to bring this particular um, thing back into the show, though, because I thought it was an interesting discussion, right? Like, there are definitely people that, I mean, even even interns and stuff where I was like, that person's going to be really good because they had the curious mind. They asked the right questions. They, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't know all the answers because they couldn't because they were new, but their their mind worked in the way that could get to answers, right? They knew the questions to ask and they knew the things to look for, to be able to push forward. And, and I think that that person is going to get great success quicker than, than people that just kind of get, get hand fed things over time. But I think part of it is also the, the resourcefulness of the person, because there are, there are some people that, you know, will, will remain a junior developer their entire career because, They'll just turn and ask, you know, you know, whoever's sitting next to them, hey, how do you do blah, 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 right? Rather than, like, this, the person who's going to figure out, like, to your point, know to, like, ask the question in their head, like, wait, how do I do this? And then go and figure out how to do it and, like, read up on how to do it. I mean, those are different, different personalities, well, you know what's funny about that? I actually have a buddy. His name, it, it, he listens to the podcast, so it, I'm curious when he's going to actually hit Uh-oh. me up after Uh-oh. I say this. Um, so a guy named Momolu, he, back in the day, we were working on EXTJS, and, and just like anybody that's ever worked with that library, you look at it and you go like, what? <laughs> what is this, right? And I remember he asked me a question one day on how to do something because he was fairly new to it, and I told him, and, and like, I think later that day, he still hadn't done it. And, and I was like, dude, I told you, he was like, no, man, I, I need to understand why this works. Like it does. And I was like, I get it. I'll walk away. If you need anything, just holler at me. But I, I totally get it because that's kind of like, I, I think the three of us are that way. Right. And it's, it's good and bad to a certain degree. 
it's good that you want to know how everything works, but it can slow you down because like oh. you just, you can't get past that hump until you understand what they were trying to do. But on the flip side, you know, it's like, man, if I just, if I just put the code in there and move on, then, then life would be good. But then the next time I run up against it, then I'm going to have those same questions. It's going to bother me and I can't do it. Yeah. You can definitely fall down a rabbit hole. Yeah, for sure. So I remember a long time ago, um, I got asked to help um, an intern who was a PhD student. And so I walked over to the office and uh, I was like showing him how to do SVN. Or, no, sorry, I think it was CBS. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, like teach him, like, this is okay, like, you know, here's how you can check your stuff. In. And then looking at their stuff, like, hey, uh, do you know what variables are? Because. You don't you don't have to like have all this stuff hard coded because none of this stuff's gonna work like this. You can't check you can't check this in actually. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or um, let's schedule some time tomorrow. Oh man, uh, yeah, that's uh, there's nothing against the school, something against even the person. It's just uh, I, I don't know. I think they were probably left on their own too much or something. I don't know. It was uh, something wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, I could show. You. Wait, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, like, we we can't do this. I'm not gonna be part of this. Uh, that's amazing. All right. Okay. So yeah, excellent conversation over on Slack that, that bled over into the podcast. So good stuff. Um, all right. So the next thing I've got in the next, this, in the next section we call, uh, prove Michael wrong. <laughs> no, this, this is not prove Michael wrong. Oh, this is good right. discussion topics. Right. So, so this though, this came up because I got to thinking about things and it, and it really kind of drives me crazy. So, um, so behind the scenes stuff, Jay-Z at one point had written a little app that was sort of what I'm going to describe here, which was basically an app to help you understand if your real application is working the way that you expected it to work. Right. And, and I got to thinking about this. There's going to be people out there that, that argue against this because they're like, well, okay, so let's just say you have a database, you have a middle tier, then you have some sort of distributed microservice type thing, and then maybe you have another microservice, right? So you got four pieces of a system right there that are all communicating and messages are going back and forth and all that kind of stuff. When something goes wrong in one of those, you might have amazing tools for look at the logs in that one that one area, and you might have amazing logs for the next area and the next. But when you try to piece together what happened along the way, you spend a lot of time trying to correlate logs or to, um, did this happen after this? Or what was the time period in between these or whatever, right? Like there's, there's a whole slew of things and, and situations you can come up with in your mind to, to make this happen. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what's your thought on having little applications that you write homegrown apps that maybe leverage knowledge that you have or leverage systems you have, whether it's logging systems or whatever to let you know if things are working the way they should. Oh, I love it. Y'all ever heard of Jay-Z cuddle (laughs) 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 collection of it's it's basically my bin folder, but I have a ton of scripts for little stuff that's helpful. And you would kind of think that like, if you write scripts sometimes that maybe you're like kind of forgetting about the details of the, the applications that are kind of running underneath, you know, and the arguments and stuff, you're not as close to them. But I found for, for some reason, like practically speaking, like it's almost like the opposite where like once I kind of write something down into a script, like somehow I remember it. And the next time I have to do the thing, I know I did this once, and, you know, I can go find it. And also, you know, I, I don't know, there's something about it that uh, I think that um, 
it helps just to kind of do it in a script and work out the kinks once rather than kind of do it every time you need it. So I like that. And also we read that um, SRE book. I remember they had the chapter from Google about like kind of, I forget how they described it, but basically talking about their, uh, their businesses, if it was like an operating system and how they kind of would track all their servers and like a database. And it was, it was kind of eye-opening to me. It's like, well, yo, geez, why am I not doing this? Like why I have all this data in all these different places. Like I would never like do this, you know, on my business domain. Like why am I allowing it to happen in my infrastructure? Like why aren't I gathering this stuff up and making it easy and making myself tools and like dashboards and stuff to make things easy. Uh, but then, you know, also I'm tired and lazy. So whatever but I do like the idea in theory. Well, all right. Before, before you go out law, that's one thing that's interesting. Uh, what you just said about dashboards and stuff is like, you can even have dashboards in play for like each independent type thing, right? Like, Hey, there's no 500s happening here. Everything's good on this microservice and you know, everything looks good on the database, but something didn't happen. There's not a message that made it between those two. And if you're just relying on the individual tech stacks that you have running in different places, a lot of times pushing those things together in a dashboard isn't super easy, right? So, all right, go ahead, Outlaw. Well, I was just going to say, like, I wasn't sure if the script thing, I kind of got hung up on that because I wasn't sure if that, like, really uh, got to the core of what you were talking about. But because the problem I have with the script thing, I write a lot of script, like Jay-Z, I have a bin directory with a lot of scripts in it too. My problem is I'll forget the scripts that I have in there. And then I'll be like, wait, how do I do? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'll like, I guess my, I guess the memory thing trick that works for Jay-Z doesn't work like that for me. And so I'll just have like this, you know, uh, bin directory of scripts forgotten. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I opened up the whole, uh, the whole directory in code and I just search it. Oh, really? Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, no, well, he's kidding. he's he's got one that he checks into Git, so he actually well, has yeah. the whole name a particular way, right? Yeah, I have things in in a Git repo too. Yeah, so you know the scripts are actually good, right? Like if you have something, you have some sort of script that you can write that will take a piece from part one, part two, part three, part four, and then give you like a checkbox at the end of it and be like, yeah, it's good. That's awesome, right? Like that, that can be helpful. But I mean, like Jay Z and I were working on something last week. And I think between the two of us, we spent, I don't know, two to three hours each trying to track something down. And it wasn't because there weren't good tools for each individual piece. It was because trying to tie the, the pieces together was like, Oh man. And that's, that's where this came up is like, I think if you have a complex enough system, it's worth spending time to whether it's shell scripts. Like when I say app, it's very loose, right? It, it could be, it could be a shell script. It could be a Node.js script. It could be whatever you want. You could put a UI on it if you want, but something that will allow you to be like, no, it looks like there's a problem. And, and maybe here's a link to the logs for that problem, right? Like something as simple as that. Like I know Jay-Z has scripts that will be like, Hey, depending on which, which environment you want to look at, like you can give it an environment variable and it'll spit out all the links to get to things like logs and graphs and all kinds of stuff, which is, I mean, if you think about it is amazingly useful because how many times you end up going to your bookmark thing, trying to, you know, browse down through all your bookmark folders to be like, Oh, okay. There's the, there's the chart page or whatever. So 
I don't know. I think it's I think it's incredibly useful, and I think it's worth spending developer time on making those things to where you can easily track things down. But then I guess do you take it to the next level? So you have your you have your Jay Z bin, you have your Mo bin, um, Mo bin, Mo bin, Mo bin, Mo problems. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, ideally you want other people to be able to use that stuff too and standardize it and get it kind of built into a, a playbook, and then you want to take that and roll that into some sort of you know. App That's where app I was going. Yeah, totally. And I think I think this goes back to the whole SRE series that we did, where that's kind of what they do, right? Um, they those developers they spend what a two week cycle, if I remember right, a two week cycle working on call to where they do that. They take those scripts and they turn it into something that they can document, as well as hey, if you see this problem, go do this thing right here, and you can see it. And I think. Um, like the way that we do on call stuff doesn't necessarily lean. It doesn't lend itself towards that type of thing, which is why we each have our own bin directories with our own ways of doing things. What almost makes me a question like specific to the scripts thing in that scenario, if maybe like, let's take this back to, you know, our, our daily life situation, right? Like should, cause Okay, the scripts that he, that Jay Z just mentioned a minute ago, I would think like, okay, well, let's just throw those in our standard repo, like because we have like you know here's the repo of code, and like even in like a, a mono repo, like a Google type environment with mono repo, you might have like a scripts directory and that. But then it made me think like, oh well, maybe maybe we should have a different repo that would have like here's another repo that has all the helpful scripts, and if you just clone that and put that in as part of your you're you're shaking your head now. If you put that in oh, as I'm part not, of your no. your uh your your path, right? So that you could execute those things, then you know, whatever you're trying to debug, there's a here's a whole slew of tools, you know, at, at the ready that aren't necessarily in the main repo. But now this gets into like a whole debate of like mono repo or not mono or or not, mm-hmm. you know. Um Con- context, right? Um, if they're in separate repos, then what's the context of, of the scripts from that one? I, I don't know, man. Like the only thing I don't like about that particular setup is my guess is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, both of you guys, um, like when you write scripts, it's very much what you're thinking of at that time. Right. And it, and it might be a very small slice of things. So you haven't gone out of your way to document things. You haven't gone out of your way to make it overly, verbose so that other people understand it, right? Like, you know what you're trying to do. And so you've done it. And, and, and if you were going to take it to that next level to where you wanted it to be shared, you would most certainly name things better, call the scripts better, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a, a layer of polish that would need to be added. Yeah. I love, so I'll, I'll, I'll just have like hard coded names and stuff and just not care about it. And next time I go to run it, I'll take a look at it before I do it. Yeah, it, but but I think from from what I'm saying here, though, both of you kind of think that these these are these are good things. Not ha- having custom little applications or custom little scripts or whatever to help you identify and fix problems in your environments makes sense. Yeah. Well, it absolutely does. But when we say the apps, though, like that makes me think like compile. For some reason in my head, I treat that differently, and so I'll start thinking of like compiled type languages, and in my mind, when I think of like examples where I've done that, they've always been throwaway. 
Like I, yeah. I, I'll create it and write it because I'm trying to test some one, you know, flow specifically that, you know, is, it, you know, that, I'll, that I'll just throw away. And that's assuming that I can't write it instead as a unit test or an integration test. Mm. So like in the compiled language type of scenarios, like I'll, I'll try to go that way. And I say that, I mean, I know you could do unit tests, integration tests and like non-compile, but for some reason that's where my head went when I, when I saw apps. Yeah. I want everything on one spot. Like I want an app. I know it's really hard to get to, but uh, you know, Prometheus is fantastic, but that's not where I view my logs. My log viewer. Fantastic. That's not where I view my dashboard. My, you know, other stuff, uh, wherever I view my logs, like that's not where I, uh, you know, inspect my database, whatever. Like I want all that stuff in one spot. We can lock it down. We can, you know, like put a single sign on in front of it and do all sorts of interesting stuff at that point. Um, so I, I want that for everybody. So I'm you actually want a real app. I want a real app. A real app. Like and what we're talking about is something that you can log into and see everything that's going on. Uh, yeah. your, a, a slice of your logs, your graphs, your whatever, right? Like, or, or quick links to all those things so that, so that you can get to them quickly. Yeah. Like maybe there's stuff in the production database that uh, is really good to know. And sometimes you know, it's like something you commonly query and it, you know, maybe involves a ticket or escalating privileges or, you know, something to do that. And it would be nice if everybody could do it. It'd be nice if you could do that and not worry about uh, people doing the wrong thing or doing the wrong database or doing running something malicious that they shouldn't run. Uh, you could just kind of have them all going through some, you know, similar interface. If somebody needs something else added, like you can talk about it, evaluate it, and pop it in there for everybody. But you could you could make the argument that that already exists today if you're willing to use managed services for everything. Because then if you did, then yeah. your AWS console, your GCP console is exactly what you were talking about where you could view everything. And instead of like, you know, you want to go look at the database, it's like, oh, we'll go look at, uh, um, oh shoot, big table or, or I'm sorry, big table, big table, uh, you know, or cloud SQL, you know, whatever, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I think you're still separated though. Like if you think about it, if you had cloud functions or something, you know, you had three of those things running plus you had big table and and whatever else you're still going to multiple spots to find that information. But right? the app think, then is the GCP console. It is, but they're not going to get, I mean, most companies aren't going to give people prod level access to the GCP console, right? Oh, you get prod level, right? You shouldn't yeah. be, able, you shouldn't have prod level access to the databases, even if it was not in Agreed. a cloud SQL or something like that. So that's, that's, that problem didn't go away. But that's why having that application, like what Jay-Z was saying, to where it would define the type of things that, that you could actually see up there would be helpful. Um, because now you are, you're not having to worry about access level stuff to, to the castle, right? Now you're just saying, Hey, here's, here's this, the view into what's going on there. And it's in a very controlled manner. But but even even if even if you had the keys to the GCP console, you're still going to multiple different places to look at the logs of what happened in function one to function two to function three to the database to whatever, right? Like it's still not it's still not a fluid view of how things are going. You still have to look at multiple different spots to see what, you know, hey, did this message get here? How long did it take, et cetera? Right. Well, that's where like I mean, kind of almost sounds like in the description of what you just said, though, um, you want the the transaction ID to f to flow through from all the different app layers, right? Yeah. So there's that one transaction ID 
that regardless of technology, you can trace it, right? Yeah, that's that's part of it, right? Like for sure that's helpful, but but for instance, like let's say that that does flow through. Um why did it take 15 seconds to get past this layer, right? And then and then if you could see that hey, there was a spike of x number of messages, right? So that the, the transaction ID doesn't help there. It's one of those things that if you actually built an application to be able to view this stuff over time, you'd be like, "Oh, Okay, we saw that this thing got hung up here because, you know, it got hit with 10,000 um, messages at a time. Let's put something in our application to show us, hey, what was the the message rate at this time when this type thing happened, right? So it's one of those things, just like any application, that as you see, see things happening over time, you just start adding those features and saying, oh, okay, I know that that we've had this problem in the past. Let's add this view here. So that, that's kind of what I'm Prometheus and Grafana don't scratch that itch. Uh, they do individually, just not in one, not in one lens that you can look at. And there's not a lot of stuff built in for like making changes. Like, uh, you know, someone gets locked out or something, or, uh, maybe you want to mix business, uh, domain type stuff in there. And so if a uh, customer is on a free trial, or maybe then you're going to handle this, uh, you know, situation where they're getting too much data differently than a customer that's been with you for 10 years. And you want to be able to take action on that stuff. Uh, all on you know some admin screen. So you're yeah, I was about to say you're you're kind of describing like a, a admin portion of the same app then to where you could log in and say see like what's the current rate of messages and whatnot. Okay, I get it. Yeah, what's going on? So I mean, to your point about Prometheus and Grafana, yeah, I think they're amazing. Just like your log situation, whether you're in Azure, GCP, or AWS, is probably amazing. It's just that you can't see them together. And that's not amazing, right? Because now you're spending time going from one to the other, trying to correlate what happened here. Um, you know, what actually went on that caused these problems. So, well, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me on it. I'm sold. Bye. <laughs> right, done. <laughs> no, because like that. the, yeah, I've been trying to chase some issues with Flink lately, and it, it's been uh, a labor of love. Because on the one hand, like I feel like I've gotten some good deep dives into flink, but also at the same time, I'm like, what is going on And and you know, you were talking about the, the logs and from everything in there, the problem that I have with, you know, dumping everything into like whatever your logging platform is, is that not all of the technologies play nicely. And even, even if they, even if you can't get the logs there, maybe they're not interpreted correctly. So like, uh, errors are interpreted as info or warnings or, you know, whatever, or maybe they didn't, uh, uh, you know, one given technology didn't put it out in a JSON format. And so every line became its own line, you know, log entry. Um, so it, it's, it's super tedious looking through those not in the big app example that you were describing, Alan, where there was like a whole bunch of technologies involved and you're trying to trace this, these flows of things in those scenarios going through something like a log explorer while sure it's, I, I wouldn't want to not have it, right. but it's not necessarily like the one-stop shop. Like, okay, this is it. Like I can know everything from like, let me comb through an hour's worth of logs Oh my lord! Look how many logs there are. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, it's so true. Um. All right. 
Okay, so on to the next one that I had. I was curious. This this was right for the show. You know, seeing as how now I put in my my phone number and I have ChatGPT access. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm when gonna I go ahead and your use phone number. I just go to ChatGPT and I'm like, hey, tell God. me. Oh, that hurts. It's probably so true. Um, so one thing that I was curious about is like, you know, there's there's always developers that they want to rewrite things in certain languages, right? Like for whatever reason, whatever the hot topic is right now. Oh, maybe it's Kotlin for us. Maybe it's Go for somebody. Maybe it's Rust for somebody else. Did you and get I was excited like, that he shops at Hot Topic there for a second, Jay Z? <laughs> oh yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, so I was curious, and I was, and I went in and put in the search something like, uh, "Why should you use Go over Java?" or something like that, right? And and I was curious because I'm decently familiar with the things between them, and I and I wanted to see kind of what it said. And, and after it gave me the answer to that, then I was like, okay, let me, let me ask one that I'm way more familiar with, right? Like, why should I use Microsoft SQL Server versus Postgres SQL? And what was interesting is I think it did a pretty good job. You know, like anytime you search for that thing online, you end up coming up with these websites that, that are nothing more than bulleted, bulleted lists between two different things that are completely useless and drive me crazy. I hate, hate those websites. Right. Um, but I thought this did an okay job, but I did want to call it out because anybody that's using this to make their hardcore decisions on what they're going to do, they're going to be left with some misinformation. Right. So like one of the things that, um, that they said for SQL server is, um, widely used in windows based environments and has strong integration with other windows or Microsoft products. So that's true, but Microsoft SQL server runs on Linux, right? Like that's been a big thing for multiple versions now. And, and one of their selling points for Postgres is it works better in mixed environments, right? So, um, if you have a windows and a Linux and all that kind of stuff, so eh, it's little little nuance things like that that I, I'm like. But I think in that hmm. example though, they're they're saying that like you're not going to have Excel running under Linux, but you can have Excel running under Windows, and you can easily connect Excel to SQL Server. So that's yes. why that in the case of they're like saying the better integration with other Microsoft technologies, and that's the way I interpret that. But widely used in Windows-based environments, but then... Um, it is down, more widely used there. But known for its... This is Postgres. Um, ah, doggone. Known its for ability to run on various. Oh. Its ability to run on various platforms. Okay, well, you just gave a, a plus one to Postgres for the same thing that Microsoft SQL Server can do. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I only call this out because I think I mentioned it on the previous episode. Like what I've found that I really like chat GPT for is when I'm curious about a real answer to something and I don't want to get bombarded with a bunch of sites that are links to Amazon. Right. But even when you do that, do you have to, it's just parroting something else that it's, it, it, it is. took in. It's not like it, it's not like chat GPT came up with this, you know, right from scratch. It's not like you put some thought into it. It's like, well, let me get to the core of what Alan's trying to ask me here. Well, that's what's frustrating, right? Like is, is you look at this and, and I thought that most of its points were pretty good, but then I look at some of those and, and that's a glaring one, right? Like if you think for some reason 
that, well, I, I'm running in a Linux environment. I can't run SQL Server, right? Like I need to go ahead and get Postgres. And, and the only reason I bring this up is the three of us have worked on SQL Server and the three of us have worked on Postgres. And hands down, no questions asked, the tooling for SQL Server is superior to the tooling that you can get for Postgres. Now, it comes at a cost because Microsoft SQL Server isn't free, but their tools are probably about as good as they get in terms of database technologies. I'm sure that some oracles are pretty good too, but but I don't know. That that kind of bugged me, and I wanted to call it out. Like If you're using ChatGPT to sort of make your decisions for you, if you're asking for technology versus technology thing, they do come up with some good points, right? Like when I did the Go versus Java thing, because I was curious, I've actually seen people switch to Go from Java for whatever reason, and they had some good points, right? Like Go was built for concurrency and to be highly fast. Like, you know, it compiles down to machine level code. That's amazingly good stuff, right? Whereas Java runs and JVMs and that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's, it bugs me. It excites me that the technology is there to be able to ask questions like that, but it bugs me that it is exactly what Outlaw said, and it's based off whatever it's digested, and so it may not have a complete set of information. Johnson. And to be fair, like that's the kind of uh, answer you would get if you ask like a person. You're like, "Hey, so which one's better?" And you you ask like a Microsoft MVP, like, "Wait, what's better, Postgres or SQL Server?" And, like they're rallying off like great things about SQL Server. Like it runs on all the platforms. It's great, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a fair answer. It is, it is, but it's the kind of answer that you'd expect to get from a person, just like you said. Yeah. When I'm asking a machine, I want it to be like, they're both good at this, but both good at this, and and one's better at this than the other, right? I'm, and that's, baked in. I'm yeah. curious to debate this tooling thing though, because like, are you? Because I assume you're referring to like a SQL Server Management Studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah SSMS. And, and you're throwing no love to like a Data Grip, for example. Um. Uh, it's not that I'm throwing no love. First off, shade maybe a little. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Data Grip's good, right? Data Grip, but I, I have a hate and love relationship with Data Grip in general. Data Grip is a memory pig. Like I've never ever used an IDE that was so memory hungry as Data Grip. I don't care what it is, IntelliJ, Visual Studio, whatever. Like Data Grip is is a hog. I wonder which version. I'd be curious to compare the version numbers. The Java version, because there was there was a <laughs> there was like the first quarter version that came out this year. Because I think they released them quarterly, if I remember uh, right. Probably, yeah, that sounds the, right. The version that came out the beginning of this year was ridiculously awful. And I and I I put out a thread earlier about like, hey, you know, this thing eats up all your CPU. Like it'll, it'll chew through memory and CPU and just bring your machine to its knees. So when you say that data grips a hog, I'm wondering if like, maybe that's part of, I mean, I'm talking about three years worth of usage of it. So Uh, I mean, how about this? Uh, If you were working on a windows machine with SQL server, would you use data grip or SSMS? SSMS? No question. All day. Do I already have a license for data grip and have I been using data grip for years? And that's the tool I already know. And that's the hammer I'm going to use. Then that's the hammer I'm going to use. No way. Sorry. It's got so much stuff for other databases and other capabilities crawling up and down the sides of the screen. But SSMS is just one thing and it does it super well. So good at it. And, and again, I'm not throwing shade at data grip like JetBrains. We love your tool. It's, it's awesome. Um, 
But like, if you ever need to do any data transformation stuff, if you got to do any of that, like the tooling in SSMS is just off the charts good. Like they've done such a good job with it. And, and again, like it's, it's hard to argue for cost because I mean, what data grips probably 150 or 200 bucks. I can't think, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but SSMS, you get it for free, right? Like you, and I say for free, quote unquote, somebody's paying for it. Somebody's paying for it, right? Like if you're running SQL server in production somewhere, <laughs> that thing is being paid for. So, but there's got to be a community edition of, of, I would be surprised there's not. I don't think so of data grip. I think data grip is one of the few that they don't have for individuals. So for individual yearly is a hundred dollars. They have versions for students, open source projects, teachers, universities, startups, nonprofit profits, user groups. Uh, yeah. Or if you're using a competitor's tool, you can get discounts. So yeah, you can yeah, get maybe discounts, they don't have a but you're paying version, but, it, but I mean, all right. So to be fair though, and this goes back to what Jay Z saying, if you're using SQL server, you use an SSMS. Why? Because they made it 100% for it. And it's so good. Data grip. We've talked about it before, but it, it's been a while. I'm just going to rattle off, you know, a few of the ones that they have support for, out of the box that you can use Postgres, SQL Server, SQLite, Sybase, MariaDB, Cassandra, Apache Hive, CockroachDB, Redis, MySQL, Azure, DB2, Elasticsearch, Mongo. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's insane. However, that's one of the things that bugs me is like when I go to ask something like ChatGPT, because I was really excited, I was like, man, I wonder what it's going to spit out when I do this. And it's like Jay Z said, it was kind of like a person type answer. Like, you know, yeah, if you have, if you have a lot of Microsoft products and you probably want to use SQL server, that is such a lame answer. Like that is, that's hot garbage to me. It, you could use zero Microsoft products and still want to use SQL server because it is a very good database server, right? Like, and that's, that's kind of what bugged me. I still say though, that in the hypothetical that I put out there, you're going to use data grip. Because my hypothetical was, you've got years of usage. You already have a license for Data Grip. You've got years of experience using Data Grip. That's the hammer you know. So you're going to use that because that's the, we know that's how hammers work, right? Like you use the, the hammer you know is the hammer you're going to use. So in that hypothetical, I, I would think you would still stick with Data Grip, even though there might be some capabilities that SQL Server does. Because like I can think of two things that why I might pick uh SQL server management studio over data grip in this, you know, made up example world that we're talking about where we're using SQL server again for this, this scenario. One would be you can easily, uh, I forget what the tool is called that that's built. That's part of it, but you can easily like trace all the queries that are happening against the database. Right. And that so you can see those happen. So you can like, you know, kind of inspect it and watch it and monitor it. In SSMS? Yeah, yeah. That's well, Profiler. Right. Yeah, the Profiler. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was such a complicated name. Um, <laughs> Microsoft to SQL Server Profiler 2023 Pro Edition. Uh, you know, yeah. So so that would be one case where I could see, like, you would definitely want to pick it. But the one thing that super bugs me and that I do in this one aspect think that, 
SQL Server wins out over DataGrip when it comes to just a tool to use to query a database is I hate how uh, DataGrip will put, like if you run two or three statements, right? DataGrip will create a new tab for each query result mm-hmm. instead of one. And then what's weird in my mind is that then, like, let's say I run three the first time. So I get three different tabs of results. Okay, cool. Then I'm like, oh, let me just run one query now. So it picks the tab, that first tab, and is like, okay, I'm going to, you know, replace the contents of that tab with the new query results. But the other two tabs are pre, you know, from the previous run are still there. And I'm like, well, why didn't you get rid of those two? Like, right. trash those. Like, that whole tabbing thing that Data Grip does with the results. I hate it. Drives me bonkers, but yeah. at the same time, the super cool thing about it is like you could just export that result out right there. You know, you there, there's but you can you can from SSMS too. Now, I will say, Data Grip's export options are better than SMS as SSMS. Oh, for but, sure. But I'm but, saying from that tab result though, you can do that. Yeah, well, you can do it in the grid results in um, SSMS as well. So, you know, copy uh, and paste. Oh, I think you can, I believe you can do it. Oh, man, there's like, there's like a, no, I'm saying like data grip has like proper options, like in that on the right. Yeah. To like export it properly out is like, you know, whatever delimit, however you want to delimit it, it's there. But then there's also that ability where I talked about it a few episodes back as a tip of the week where you can compare two tabs to see like, okay, what's the difference between these two Which results? Is sweet. That's actually really nice. That's something right? that SQL server management studio doesn't have. It doesn't, but, but again, you know, going back to the original thing and, and I mean, w- debating tools all day long, right? Like there's some Redgate, there's a whole reason Redgate software exists for SQL server. Cause it, it augments what even SSMS does, but just that whole thing of, if you're going to ask chat GPT something, realize it's exactly what outlaw said. It's based off something that somebody's written and it's ingested and inspected or whatever. Right. So the answers you get or likely biased, right? And that's, that's, you know, it's a good starting point, but it shouldn't be where your decisions come from when you're doing things. At least, at least those are my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, hey, I got a topic. Um, so I'm sure I brought this up on the show before, but that's something I, I like to revisit every so often. Uh, I used to work with a guy named Jim who was just awesome he was excellent i would bug him for help all the time uh everyone would bug him for help all the time because he was awesome and he knew everything it was great but uh, the problem was he couldn't get a lot of work done because everyone was bugging him all the time and so we had a couple uh you know talks about him what to do whatever and the solution ended up being what we called open gym hours so if you're in the in the u.s uh we used to at least my school had a thing called open gym where like you could just do whatever you wanted in the gymnasium it was kind of like a physical education thing in like school and so if you wanted to play basketball, you could play basketball. If you wanted to go, whatever, you could do whatever you want. And the idea was that like open gym would be, you know, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then if you uh, had a question after that time, just save it for tomorrow. And that let him get some work done, which is great. And it's still let you get your questions uh, answered and it kind of force people to get organized and you kind of get your stuff together. And a lot of times you end up solving your problem before it got to 9 a.m. again, uh, which is nice. And uh, so, uh, you know, the real question I want to ask is really uh, what your thoughts are, uh, you know, on stuff like this and whether or not team productivity is more important than a senior individual's productivity. 
Go ahead. Meaning, <laughs> wow. So I think if we were talking about what I think we're talking about, then I've struggled with this one myself because you're basically saying like, should that senior engineer spend more time answering questions thereby kind of elevating the rest of the team, right? Like the, yep. the old adage of like, you know, uh, uh, tide, a rising tide raises all ships, right? But at the same time, because he might spend more time or she might spend more time answering questions, then they might kind of slide off the, uh, you know, the, the go-to answer, um, podium, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel, I kind of agree with it, you know, like, you know, it, we'd agree with what agree with what exactly. about answering the questions about, about spending time answering time. the questions and like, you know, educating the other team, the rest of the team. And like, now this assumes that you, you have a team to where like, you know, that, that person you're going to go to for questions can like kind of flow, right? Like, you know, you know, maybe this year you, happen to be the person that everybody is like, Oh yeah, go to Alan, for example, like he, that he knows all about it, you know, but you know, as a result, like you kind of slide in that, in that particular skill or that particular area, because you know, you're answering the questions from the past while other people are developing it because you keep answering questions of the past. You're not keeping up with the new. Right. And so eventually somebody's going to outpace you. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be on all Oh, the technology, it could be like on a, a thing, but I've seen Alan run. <laughs> You're not gonna outpace him. Uh, not if, if Alan wants to win, Alan's gonna win. Yeah, I'm gonna hurt myself to win. I can't help it. Um, no, that's a good point, so, though. I, I, I think that's an excellent point and not one I'd ever really considered. But I think based off like the last, the last sentence you had here, does that mean there's like a sign and there's missing documentation or something? I I do my level best. Like there's, you know, the guys on this call on this, on this podcast, as well as some other people that, that we work with, they are sort of the go-to people a lot. And, and it's kind of unfair that, that we're all given like equal amounts of work, we'll say. Right. And, and unfortunately it's not like they say, Oh, well, <laughs> you're going to get 80% of the calls, uh, but you still got to do all this work. So I think that I think that some sort of notion around open gym, quote unquote, hours is probably not terrible, right? Like, hey, you can bug this person from nine to eleven today. Um, anything else, barring some sort of prod emergency or something, put it together in an email or something and set some time up tomorrow to talk to them. I think is good because I think it does two things. I think one, it gives that person the ability to work a, a normal-ish day, right? And not have to work a 12-hour day. Um, but two, I think it does enable people a chance to be like, hey, wait a second. This is the same question he's gotten, you know, or she's gotten 12 times over the past two months. Maybe we need to um, spruce up our documentation on this. And we need to have an FAQ or some sort of playbook or something that people can go to to where they can at least try and 
and self-help themselves. And if they need some prodding along, guess what? We can set up a call and we can enhance that documentation, right? So I think it's a smell. If that person is getting all their time taken away to help other people, there's a smell somewhere. Like I'm, I'm actually in a situation like that right now, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of the person that is on the hook for all on call stuff, whether I'm on call or not for a particular slice of things, because I have the most intimate knowledge of it and, and, and I've got to handle it. And to me, that's a smell, right? And, and I need to do something to address that and I need to help that forward. And I think that's the real answer. I think that it's a good idea, but it should be pushing towards getting to where that's not the situation anymore, right? To where you don't need two hours a day set aside for people to ask Jim questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely do like the idea of, uh, you know, Hey, if you wanted to come at me with questions, it has to be after 4 PM. Right. Yep. I love that idea. I don't know how realistic it is. You know. Yeah, you know, it depends. And, and, <laughs> depends and, and this is where this is where like going back to your original question, Jay Z, where like I kind of feel guilty about like, okay, well maybe I should just like answer the questions to help elevate the team. Because if somebody has a question at nine o'clock in the morning, I really am gonna make them wait until four before they can ask me. Like, you know, that seem that seems wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, I'm all for like, you know, Hey, have you tried, what have you tried? You know, don't, don't, don't let me be your first resource. Uh, but also I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard it though, sounds- right? Because you want to be the good guy, like what you're saying, right? Like, I don't want to be the reason you're blocked all day, but then when you look up and it's two or three o'clock in the afternoon and you've been working for everybody else all day, and you haven't accomplished any of what you need to do. It's a trade-off, right? Like, and it's a hard trade-off because then you're the one that's always like, yeah, sorry, I missed my deadline, but you know, had X, Y, and Z, you know, to the fifth come up and it's, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like it's the other extreme though. So on the one extreme is like, you didn't even bother to try. You just immediately come to me with your questions. And on the opposite end of that pendulum is you can't come to me with your questions until this particular time of day. And only for this amount of time in that day, will I answer questions? And Oh, by the way, there might be a queue that you have to, you know, get in line for. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that seems at the other end of the spectrum, Agreed. right? So like, where's Agreed. the happy, where's the happy medium there? Yeah. yeah. So, so if it's a non-trivial question, then it's probably going to take at least 15 minutes for the person to, to, for you to go out, research, do whatever. And as we know, that interruption, the 15 minute interruption costs more than 15 minutes, right? Because there's overhead associated with it. So you can kind of say like any non-trivial question is going to be at least a half hour delay. So then you think about it that way. It's like, well, okay, yeah, I'm waiting six hours to get my question answered and that stinks. But if me and three other people didn't wait in line and ask this person, we're taking, you know, getting like an hour and a half or more of their time delayed on stuff. So, you know, it's a trade off. I think you got to be judicial with however you do it. Right. Like if it's something that's impacting more than one person, sure. Right. If it's something that, Hey, you've got one ticket to work on, but you got five other tickets you could potentially work with. Um, you know, could you work on one of those and we come back to this later? Like, 
if if you're not willing to context switch, but you want to force me to context switch, that's not quite right. So I think there's I think there's always a happy medium somewhere, right? Well, I think part of the the smell here though is that you know in this original example, like Jim knew everything and no one else did. Right. Why was he the only one with the knowledge? Why was he the one? Why was like that? That already seems like a code smell or you know a mm-hmm. team smell or whatever, right? And you know, even in our own situations, like that could, you know, just be in our situations could be examples of that. Mm-hmm. Right. That like, well, why is it that Jay Z is the person you always have to go to for questions about this one particular portion of the app or whatnot? You know, so to your point, maybe it's not documented. Maybe, maybe there, maybe it should be better, you know, talked about in the readme or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's very interesting. I would venture to say if one person is always the bottleneck for one thing, like why has nobody actually learned it over time too? Right. Like that's, that's another problem. Is it a, is it people a sign of lazy. people being lazy? Yeah. yeah. Lazy on a team. Yeah. I mean, mm. that's human nature. Our human nature is to take the, the path of least resistance. So if you have somebody that knows something and they're, and they're always answering the questions and you know that they're going to answer your questions, like, People will tend to get lazy and just, you know, go to that person. If I wait long enough, they'll raise their hand. Yeah. So, so, yeah. you know, maybe tell that person like, Hey, stop answering questions. Like, you know, be a jerk about it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think there are a couple of reasons that kind of led to it. Um, like Jim was just amazing. He was super smart, knew a bunch of stuff. What's funny though is uh, he was also uh, kind of the new guy, so he wasn't the person who'd been there for ten years and kind of built up this stuff. Uh, it was, but rather, um, it was because he kind of came in, was a new guy, and had known some of the people who'd worked with him before. But came in, he kind of got uh, to work on kind of like a pivot for the company, and so he just happened to be the person who set up a new way of doing things and kind of brought in the new framework and set up the CI and, you know, did some of this stuff. And so, you know, everyone started going to him because he was the one who set it up. But then six months down the road, it's like, okay, we need to, we need to stop this. <laughs> I wonder though, if the reality here is, uh, you know, that was junior developer Jay Z's experience with Jim and maybe Jim was senior engineer. Yeah. And, and so that was your perception of the of the time. And had current Jay Z been in that same work environment, I wonder if you would still view Jim in the same light. Yeah, yeah. I should call him up and be like, "Hey, so what? What was your perspective on uh, that time?" <laughs> He'd be like, "Oh, you were driving me nuts. Open Jim was just for you. <laughs> Everyone else is fine." Wouldn't that hurt a little bit though if he found out? Like, if he was like, "Yeah, it's because you wouldn't leave me alone." Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I believe it. I, I, I wouldn't uh, take a lot of convincing. I could totally see that being the case. And so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> maybe, maybe the reality is, uh, he just thought that it sounded cool because, you know, he was aware, you know, familiar with like open gym from school and he, his name being Jim. He's like, Hey, look at this pun. I did. Yeah. This works. I'm going to, de- I'm going to use it everywhere. So, um, with that, if you haven't already left us for review, uh, we greatly appreciate it. You can't do it on Stitcher though, so don't even bother. Um, <laughs> is that? Uh, it's probably not even up by the time you're listening to this. Uh, at any rate, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, try it on Sirius though, Sirius XM. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you haven't listened, if, 
Yeah, they do. That's why I called it out. Yeah. If you haven't left us, a re- left us a review, you can find some helpful links at codingblocks.net slash review. And with that, this is Jeopardy Blocks. Because I couldn't come up with a better name. There we go. Um, Pretty good. So we're going we're gonna to use the new rules this time. So rather than doing the dollar amounts the last time, it's just going to be either you get it or you don't. Binary. Like one or zero. You get Whoever it says a race to three race best out of three. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Uh, let's see. This is episode two thirteen. So, uh, if we're still using Tutko's trademark rules of engagement, Alan is first and your categories are <clears throat> this information or creatures, great and small or around the house or boogie or comedy atlas or lastly all things aside where each response contains a l l so A-L-L. let's do that one. your dollar amounts are from 100 to 500 in 100 dollar increments so pick one uh we'll do 300 300 all things aside Okay. Remember, oh, last time I let you guys go all easy on the yeah, not answering yeah, what, in the form of a is. question. Yeah, what is it? All right. So, uh, what have we got here? How do I get? Okay. Yeah. Now it's working. Shady Albuquerque, New Mexico, criminal lawyer. Is that right? Yeah. Sal Goodman had his law office in this type of shopping center. What is a mall? I'll, I'll I'll take it. It's close enough. Wow. What is a mini mall or a strip mall? Wow. Yeah. All right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give one. it to you. I give All it right. To you. Boom. So you have one. Wow. There you Good go. Call. Jeez. <laughs> okay. I'm going to pay the attention. Okay. On. So Jay-Z. <clears throat> huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What? So, the question? so the categories are history quiz what happens in vegas that paints a picture french words and phrases 19th century novels or tv show theme songs and the prices are 200 200 to a thousand in 200 increments all right we're gonna go with the thousand okay and dot geez um, let's go with a uh, history quiz. Okay. Look, you go wrong. So thousand thousand dollar question for the history quiz. A Paris airport is named for this general who led the free French forces during world war two and later served as Francis president. Oh my gosh. I didn't pick the French one. <laughs> Dang it. World War II. Um, I cannot think of his name. Uh, so it's, it's probably not him anyway. So I'm going to go with uh, Napoleon. Okay. What? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Alan? Yeah, he was a little earlier. This, this, uh, do, I lose, do I lose points if I say? 
this is this is your chance to steal. Oh, I guess I should have taken. I should I should have subtracted one from him. Uh, we're not. I guess we didn't do a negative for him. So, uh, in the form of a question, what is wanted- Rochambeau? <laughs> Rock paper scissors? <laughs> no. Did I get it? The I correct answer it. was Charles de Gaulle. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's the only airport I know of in France. So I don't, Dang. I would have maybe like one gotten that one correct by default. That was hardly, that was the airport question. Can you tell me what the French words question was just <laughs> in case I know it and I'll be mad? Uh, French words and phrases at, yep. at the thousand dollars. We, this four letter word comes before oh, it's in French. I can't read this. <laughs> this is going to be awful. Like whoever's long, listening, long, be like, long, oh, long, of course, this is the way he would say it. This four-letter word comes before the attack <laughs> in a governmental overthrow, or before the grace. Oh, it's a coup. In coup, yeah, dang a it, finishing blow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess coup maybe you should have picked that one. So so. Oh, coup d'état. Uh, yeah, d'état. Yeah. That, okay. When it was left out like that, I, I didn't... Yeah, okay. Whatever. It doesn't change anything. I probably would have still messed it up anyways. Like, I can't... I have trouble with English. Like, I'm going to get French? Okay. So, Alan uh, is ahead by one. So, it's... it's. I mean, let me put these goose eggs I'm a in negative here. dozen. Right? Well, I didn't do this, the negative. So, um, I could have. But I didn't. Okay. All right, so Alan's ahead by one. Wow, so I guess, I guess, because I said, I said best out of three. Technically, though, if I'm only giving you three, three chances, it's just like high score, period, because you could both miss this one and still have uh, Alan be the highest score. But it was close because, you know, it was only, he only won by one. Okay, so uh, third round, Alan, here we go. Helpful internet acronyms. World geography, celebrity cameos, go into the dictionary. Each response ends with G-O in that one. Mythology or, uh, well, this one, how, I don't know how this one worked. This one was like called Austin Tins Bar, but this was like, uh, you know, there was a celebrity there doing the bar. Let's go with the internet one. Gonna go. The internet one. All right. So uh, questions 300. are- 300. Oh, so you want the lowest level one? I do. Yeah, okay. I want to win this. <laughs> okay. Um I got to remember I got to figure out how to read this one though. So H M U Yo yo yo. I am really intrigued by your request to meet in the future. Please contact again when ready. What is hit me up is the correct answer. Yo, yo, yo. The game. (laughs) Yeah. I I was, I I wasn't sure like which part they wanted me to like, you know, cause I started to say (laughs) hit me up. Yo, yo, yo. (laughs) Like I don't think that's how they want me to read that one. Okay. Uh, Can you read the thousand one or the the top level one? Just so we know. Let's do it. Let's do the On on the helpful internet acronyms. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want just the acronym? So C M V. I can read the sentence that goes along with it if you want. Something may vary. Um I believe one thing, but am open to your perspective. So now is your chance to explain to me my error. C M V? Yes. 
Change my view? Correct. Ooh, nice, no dude. Oh. Yeah, I've never heard that one. Hey, give us 800. <laughs> Sorry, we, we got to go down the category. Let's do 800 or, or whatever the, the one down from the, the top one was. Whatever you do, careful about how you write this one down. <sighs> really? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I-A-N-A-L. Beep. My skills do not reside in the courtroom, yet I feel the need to tell you of the possibility, possibly criminal error of your ways. I'm not a lawyer. That is correct. Oh, good job. How's that going to be up there? And then Charles de Gaulle. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, I'll take my win. Thank you. Yep. Yep. There you go. You're welcome. Um, yeah. There's your, your yearly dose of winnings. All right. All right. So, so the very last thing that, that I had here um, that I was curious about, when you guys, whatever it is, I mean, it seems like every app, every website, everything out there now is like, hey, do you want to sign in with your Google account, your Facebook account, your Picket account, or do you want to use your email? Like, if Apple's not a choice, I pretty much am like, yeah, I'll use my email. And my thinking is when you use the OAuth 2 stuff like the Google, the Facebook, the Twitter, the whatever, the whatever, whatever, they can request information about your account. Granted, you have to allow it, but nobody ever reads any of that stuff. So so I've always just been like, you know what, I'll give my email account. And then the only thing they have is my email. Like, what are you guys, what are you guys' thoughts when you sign up for things? And if you were going to create your own app, would you go the OAuth to route and integrate the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the whatever else? Like, all right, go. So uh, who's going first? I'll, I'll go first. So, cause we're kind of coming at this from like a security kind of minded perspective, maybe like yeah, person, yeah. personal security no. kind of, but, but also like what there was, there was two phase, two parts of this question. So from, from the personal security kind of mindset point of view, I I will not sign in with a Google or a Facebook or any of that. I, I'm I don't want to I don't want those two things to be linked to for you to, to know. Even if it's it even if it is a Google email account, what you know, I, I I wouldn't want to it'd be different to use the email address than to use Google as the authentication to your point about them being on there to do the request. I really am in love with the um, sign in with Apple feature where you can hide your email address and they'll just totally create a bogus one. And you know, for they will handle doing the forwards for you. I use that where I can, but otherwise I will uh, use that plus trick with Gmail, which is easy. Like even from, you know, their side, it'd be trivial to like write a regular expression to, you know, remove all those and be like, okay, we know what his, his email address is, but at least from my, my perspective, I, I do that. But the part two of your question as an app developer, absolutely. I would, I would add in that authentication because, you know, you're just trying to make it easier for people to sign up and use 
your application or service or whatever it might be. And so whatever reduces that friction, that's obviously what you would want to do. So for you, it's reducing friction, not so much, hey, I want to get as much information about this this person as I can. Yeah, absolutely. It would be all about, you know, a, a, a getting you a new customer, you know, and I'm using that term, a new user like that. That's an expensive thing, right? It, it, it you know, they say it costs more to, to uh, get a new one than to keep one. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, whatever you can do to reduce that friction so that you can get that new user sign up. I'm all for it. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, um, so similar opinion somewhat. Uh, if I'm making something new, uh, I don't want to store passwords anyway. Like, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. And uh, this is a great way if I'm per- doing something new uh, to just integrate with something quickly, even if it's like an Auth0 or whatever, and let me check the boxes for the other ones that I want to use or other services. Uh, you know, that's great for me as a developer. It's great for my users. And uh, the only thing I don't like about it is I... Uh, am lazy sometimes and I just sign in with Google for stuff I don't really care about. I don't create a new account. And sometimes it's not even an option. And then invariably like six months later, two years later, they're like, Hey, we see you're logging into Google still. You got to transition to a real account because we're getting away from that. And it keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening where I, the services that I signed up with, uh, you know, Google something, something quick has forced me to migrate to their own system over time. And I think it kind of makes sense so they can have more information about you. You know, like uh, what Google or Facebook or whoever would, you know, Apple gives them is really limited compared to what, what they can kind of keep about you. So uh, I'm sure all the services that are doing that are doing bad things and want for bad reasons. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I'm uh, lazy and tired so they can have it. <laughs> but I will say, oh, go ahead. I mean, it, but the Apple sign on, it makes that part super easy, though, too. Because you can even change your name. They don't even have to know what your real name is. Yeah. And that's why they don't want you to do it. <laughs> that's why they're migrating you off that if they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so Apple's by far the best one. Um, so here's a horror story. Uh, real quick. Uh, my brother-in-law got his Facebook password uh, changed while I was sleeping. Woke up in the morning and said, hey, your password's been changed. Hey, your phone number has been changed, like separate emails. Hey, your, uh, I forget what else had been changed. So basically somehow someone had gotten around double, like two factor stuff and had, uh, taken over his Facebook account. He could not get it back. Tried everything totally locked out. And this person is messaging their friends, uh, like things like, uh, community groups. Like if you are in the Facebook group for your, uh, neighborhood, you know, watch or something, uh, whoever took over his account is in there trying to scam people, trying to sell them uh, diet pills, is hitting on uh, people in those groups that live in their neighborhood. And so my sister is getting messages from people in their neighborhood like, hey, your husband is a pig. They're messaging me gross stuff. What the heck is going on in there? Stop this. And there's nothing they can do about it. And there's no one to talk to. There's no one to call on the phone. There's nothing. Also, anything that uh, you may use uh, with a Facebook login, uh, it's just gone. So can't do it. Uh, you know, it's a customer service issue for each one of those. And good luck figuring all that out. Yeah. And the so. person's going to have access to all those services too, right? Yeah. I forgot about that. I totally Ooh. forgot about that. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. So that stinks. Facebook's accepted that person. They've verified the identity. So, you know, as far as all those services are, are, uh, con- you know, concerned, you know, that's it. Mm. So pretty terrible. 
And oh yeah, when I'm making some, something, yeah, I, I mentioned that already. Yeah, it's it's totally uh, easy. Interesting. Sounds yeah, like that's... you're not in that ballpark though. No, I mean uh, I uh, I'm well, just lazy for stuff. So it, like it's, it's a service I care about, but you know, like that's the same argument I used to make about password managers. Like, well, like this is just a site I don't care about, so let me use the same password. You know, this is clearly a long, long time ago. And that's a bad strategy. I know it's a bad strategy. Same with uh, logging in with, you know, a Google. I think that's a bad strategy. I could lose my account tomorrow and I'd be, you know, SOL on a number of different things. And uh, I shouldn't let that happen. I meant Alan, though. Like, he oh. he isn't in uh, on board with this of using the OAuth uh, for your applications. And so I'm very much, I'd say, I'd say that I'm probably almost identical to your take on it. Like, I don't use it for my stuff personally. I will the Apple thing because they will anonymize you, which I like a lot. I don't want companies just having access to whatever they want to get a hold of with that. But I also think about it sort of, I haven't thought about it as deep as what Jay Z was just saying, where somebody had their account stolen and, and everything got taken. Um, that makes me want to kind of press pause on using that for anything from there, but I'm on the same side. If I'm writing an application, I'm going to take advantage of all the OAuth 2 things out there to try and get people. Hey, if you have a Google account, come on in. <laughs> you got a Twitter account, come on in. Um, you know, like you said, easing, easing the ability for people to sign up for your service or your application or whatever it is, is huge. Like you can't, you can't overstate that. So there's a couple important takeaways though from this. <clears throat> One, if you're not using two factor, I mean, how you, you should, you should be using two factor for like everything that you can use two factor for. But also another one, since we're kind of like giving praise to Apple with the um, sign in with Apple, did you know you can go to Apple ID.apple.com sign in and you can see all of the places that you are, you know, are using um, you that you're signed in with Apple and you can see what the email address is that they're using <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, that that other service is getting and just how obscurely crazy it is. I'm like, Dude, yeah, that's they would, amazing. They would never be able to, you know, associate that back to you. And like I said, you can, you can, uh, change the, the name that they're even getting. So, um, which, you know, to Jay Z's point, it's probably the reason why they don't want to you to use that, but. Yeah, I actually haven't had any services that I'm aware of um, try and try and convert me over to to their own, but I could totally, totally see. Sure enough, they have app specific passwords. Yeah, stupid stuff like Panera or like you know whatever. Like I would place you know food order or something with. Um, it's happened several times now, like recently in the last year. Hmm. Yeah, I think they want more information. That's interesting. So. All right. Yeah. Well, let's head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. And I have a tip for you. So, uh, you know, I'm always checking out new stuff on Spotify and just looking for different playlists or trying to search for things to uh, listen to. What about on Stitcher? And, uh, oh. I see a uh, poor one out for Stitcher. Sorry, Stitcher. Uh, so I'm talking specifically about music in this case. Um, and uh, I've stumbled on a new playlist that 
I feel like I just cracked into like a new chamber in my labyrinth of music listening to is it's all this stuff, all these bands I've never even heard of. And they're like, so they fit so nicely in with my tastes. I was really surprised. And the, the playlist is called doom gaze. And it's specifically for, uh, you know, a poorly named genre of music. They call doom gaze, uh, which is described as heavy and intense doom drones wrapped up in shoegaze layers. And I thought if you're a kind of person who loves doom drone <laughs> or shoegaze, then you're going to love this. And, and also, and if you don't know what any of that is, okay, boomer. Yeah. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> like, so don't, yeah. I'm waiting no, for you uh, to if, say it. <laughs> if you, if you don't know uh, what those are, then an even better reason. Cause it's something that's going to be, you know, probably pretty different com- from the kind of stuff you listen to. So I thought it was a really great place. It, uh, I usually only recommend instrumental and a lot of this is not instrumental, but uh, I still like it. And uh, I had a, a nice working session uh, with it the other day. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to share this one. So I'll have a link in the show notes. Excellent. Well, uh, interesting that we both have uh, musical ones then for the tip of the week. So I know that uh, Jay-Z and I both play instruments, and there's other people in the Slack, uh, in our Slack community that play as well. So this is probably one of those things where, like, Jay-Z is going to tell me, like, oh, but that's illegal. You can't, like, don't don't talk about, like, their licenses, whatever. I, I don't know that it is. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's not, and, and you'll tell me that's not, but you can go to karaoke dash version.com. And if you're trying to learn any particular song, you can go on there and, um, you know, if they, assuming that they have it by the particular artist that you want, you can find a karaoke version of that song where like, it's, you know, not, uh, you know, like, like if it was a Metallica, for example, like it's not going to be James Hetfield's voice that you're going to hear. You'd hear somebody else singing it. Right. But you can turn off all the, you can figure out like which, which tracks do you want? Right. So if there's like three guitar lines, you can say like, okay, well I'm fine with the, the two rhythm, but take out the lead. Right. And, uh, you know, I want a click track added to it and I want an intro added to it. And I do want to hear vocals and I specifically would prefer to not hear like the, the actual recording vocals because I kind of want that, like, uh, you know, I want to hear something that doesn't sound like the recording so that it kind of sounds different in my head so that when I'm playing it, like I can focus more on like the, I don't know if that part makes sense. Do you, you get what I'm talking about with that, Jay-Z? Yeah, that makes makes sense. sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I like it. So, so the cool thing is, is that you can go in, you can, like I said, you can pick which tracks you want to listen to, but you can also, uh, change the levels of, of given tracks too, if you wanted to. So maybe you do want to hear like a particular guitar line or bass line or whatever you happen to be working on, but you want to, you don't want it to be overpowering because you want to play, but just in case if you got lost or, you know, whatever you want to be able to have it in, in, you know, uh, you want some more snare in your headphones. So, uh, you know, yeah, check it out. Karaoke dash version.com. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. All right, so I cheated. Um, so Micro G, as he's always awesome in sending us all kinds of tips, uh, he sent me one the other day that I haven't had a chance to check out, but it looks pretty cool. It's kadeck.com, so as in Kafka deck. And basically what this thing is is supposed to be like a way to be able to monitor and, and interact with Kafka in like a, a UI. 
which if you've lived in the Kafka world at all, you'll know that they're very light on any kind of UI interactions, which is good, but it can also be very tedious. So uh, they have this product here. Again, I have not had a chance to check it out, but they have free versions and paid versions. And the free version gives you quite a bit. Um, you have ability to obviously work with Apache Kafka. You can only manage one cluster. Um, it'll also interact with uh, AWS Kinesis or Amazon Kinesis. Uh, you have the ability to browse data. They only have one default data view on the free version. Um, flow view, time distribution view, whatever. But they've got a whole bunch of stuff here. So if you go to kdeck.com slash pricing and you scroll down towards the bottom, you'll see like this grid of all the things that you get with the different versions. And it looks pretty good. So it, my thinking is, especially if you're getting started with Kafka and you want to be able to see how things are working in a more visual way than just, you know, uh, running a bunch of shell commands, which can be really frustrating. This might be a great way to get introduced into what's going on behind the scenes on your Kafka clusters. I'm going to try this and I will report back next. It's pretty exciting, right? It is. Yeah. Like, well, cause in my mind, like I'm wondering like, okay, is this, does I already have Grafana dashboards for Kafka. What does this do that's over and above what I can already do there? So See I can tell you, topics. <laughs> well, one thing is it looks like you can filter data live. So you can go to the UI and be like, Hey, I'm looking for a piece, you know, something that has this in the record, something that currently as users of Kafka that you have to run through shell scripts and whatnot, right? Like we've talked about Kafka cuddle in the past, or I think we have, um, I think Jay Z, you shared it as, as a tip. Um, but right now you have to write like a Kafka cuddle consume topic name, blah, 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 blah. Right. Wouldn't it be nice if you just go to a UI and say, okay, that's the, that's the topic I care about and filter by Alan, right? Show me everything. So that would be amazing. So I think that's what this adds on top of what you're talking about outlaw episode 198, by the way, Kafka cuddle tip of the week. <laughs> nice. There you go. Good Lord, man. Um, um yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm curious. So, yeah. So thanks again, Mike or G as thanks. always, do we not have any dad jokes? Well, uh, I mean we do, but I, I didn't, I guess I'm falling short. I'm you are, man. I'm you sorry. Can't, you can't have that happen. Well, I will tell you, I will tell I don't have a dad joke, but I will tell you. So, uh, you know, my, my kids are trying to get, um, like have, we're trying to get summertime jobs and everything before going off to school. And, um, my youngest especially was having some trouble. So there was this one job that, that I thought he was going to get. It was, um, a sales position at a door company and everything. And then he came home and he was like really upset and disappointed and everything. Cause he ended up not getting the job. And I was super surprised because it was an entry level position. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good man thank you mike rg you saved like, my butt yeah I, I got uh one from chat gpt here uh, uh, why don't uh software developers trust nature uh because of all the bugs you got it ah uh, look at me yep good job all right all right well uh subscribe to us on itunes and now i have to say spotify correctly so spotify and uh, yeah, wherever you like to find your podcast, leave us a review. You can find some helpful links at codingblocks.net slash review. Hey, while you're up there at codingblocks.net, check out our show notes, examples, discussions, and more 
And send your feedback, questions, and rants to our Slack channel at codingblocks.net slash Slack. Yeah, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. Head over there to codingblocks.net and find all the social links on the top of the page. And hey, uh, you know you can tag us over there. You got a question? You got uh, something funny you saw? You find a good dad joke on there uh, at codingblocks. Bam, bam. Hey, but you know what's funny? You guys saw, like, I know this is totally random at the end of the show. You saw that um, Musk had put out a tweet saying that um, people's ability to read posts was going to be limited to either 500 tweets or 1,000 tweets a day. 600, yeah. So it it was for an emergency purpose for right now. So I don't know if that's going to stick forever, but you you can tag us. And if we haven't looked at a thousand other tweets or 600 other tweets, we'll do our best to get back to you. Yeah, we get 600 because our account is uh, old enough, but new accounts would be limited to 300. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. 